it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays Podcast is back and the second round is upon us. The Boston Celtics will be taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, who officially do not have Chris Middleton, um, or at least are expected not to have Chris Middleton for this series. A very bizarre twist given the Celtics' decade-plus of bad injury luck. My name is Brian Robb, joined by Ryan Bernardoni at DangerCard on Twitter. Make sure you're following him there to break down this series, which, I don't know, Ryan, is this um, if in a potential path to the uh, to the NBA Finals here? You you had the the Bucks as the the the, the likely toughest appointment opponent that the Celtics could could face here, even though it's it's in round two here. Is that am I am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's still the case now. If you know with Middleton right. out, looking like for the whole series, it's, maybe it would be more difficult against against the Heat. Um, but yeah, coming in, obviously we all know defending champs. Um, you know the best player in the world. There, there, there. I think the. We're familiar with their work. Yeah, exactly. They're the team that I think anybody reasonably would be looking at is probably the favorite to come out of the East, uh, even with how well the Celtics are playing. So uh, it it feels a little bit like this should be a conference finals, um, but I'm sure anybody who's a Heat fan who's hearing me say that right now is saying, no, they're playing great as well, and that, you know, don't overlook them, and and that's fair. Um, But if you have to pick one or the other, then this certainly feels like what would be the the more difficult matchup. Um, And now... Celtics potentially catch a, a pretty huge break here um, with Middleton being out. And it's sort of right similar to the break that this happens. The Bucks got in the second round last year. The Celtics had to play the Nets with with all of Kyrie Harden and Durant, and then in the second round that wasn't the case sure. uh, for the Bucks. So this this does just kind of happen in, in the playoffs, and you have to take advantage of it when you get the opportunity. Yeah, I mean the Celtics will be shedding no tears for any team's injury situation. I mean, it's great. Obviously, you want to see the guys on the court for like it's fun. You don't you want to see anyone hurt, obviously. But um, there's certainly been years upon years now where they have the 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 shoe has been on the other foot as far as the injuries goes. And for now, it looks like the Celtics are going to be at full steam. Rob Williams getting up to speed. Jalen Brown is the one question mark right now. Amy Adoka kind of playing it close to the vest uh, at practice on Thursday. You know, it's clear that sounds like he's obviously they're taking it easy with him. He's expected to play game one after coming up with some hamstring injuries, hamstring tightness in game four against the Nets on Monday. But, um, you know, that's certainly something to keep an eye on, but not, you know, I'd imagine at the very worst, he just gives it a go. Maybe they, you know, have to play it a little more careful than usual with his, with his minutes. If, uh, if they're still giving him issues there, 
yeah, hopefully the long layoff, um, the reward for winning in a sweep, and then the weirdly long layoff between games two and three sure. helps help some with that. But there's a long way to go in the playoffs, and obviously the hamstring has been an issue for Jalen throughout the season at, at times. So hopefully it doesn't get any worse because <laughs> um, it would be, you know, We've seen a lot of all-star players go down. Last year, there were even more. This year, though, there have now been, been quite a few. Um, and Jalen wasn't an all-star this year. But, uh, you know, players of his caliber, it seems, have um, been been going down in the playoffs the last couple of years more than in, in seasons past. So you, you just hope that we don't see yet another um, another year like we have seen so many of in in the last couple of decades for the Celtics and, and that he um, is able to stay healthy the rest of the way and make it through. Uh, but really, I mean, what else can you do, right? Hamstring things happen. They linger. They'll, like I said, hopefully manage it through and, and these layoffs will, will help some amount. It sounded almost better a couple of days ago. And then I think I'm, I'm sort of hoping that it's just like the way that he made talks right. <laughs> that makes it sound like less clear that he's, that he's doing okay. Um, so sorry. I, that is my cat knocking around in the background. Like <laughs> I warned you before we, before we started recording. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping that it's just kind of the way that that he generally talks in press conferences. That, but it it didn't sound like as sure thing. Okay, it'll all be fine as it as it did in some of the stuff that was being said a day or two ago. But I mean, what can you do? We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we're gonna assume this is a Rob Williams situation where it went from yeah, we're not expecting him for the series to like no, he's he's uh he's playing game three. Um, but yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, we can't really, we're not gonna be able to fully judge that until we, you know, you see him out in the court. But let's, uh, so I, I have five questions for us, Ryan, just about this series in general, just to to get the conversation going into, it's, it's still, I mean, a pretty intriguing series. Um, I think from a, a Buck standpoint, in terms of how they try to to manage this um, without Middleton and, and put up a, a fight against what has been a Celtics juggernaut so far. And so I'll, I'll start here. Um, how how do the Bucks start in this series? If you're if you're Bud or if you're if you're Adoka and you're you're trying to map this out and plan in terms of what anticipate what they're going to do, they went big against the Bulls with the the monster Portis, Giannis, uh, Brook Lopez front line. Once Milton went down, that worked quite nicely. Um, my guess is here against the Celtics starting five. That is. Uh, they certainly could try it. I think that's a far bigger gamble <laughs> against this uh, from a defensive standpoint against this group. But uh, what, what do you, what's your read there? What do you, what, what direction would you go in and what direction if you're a doga, do you think they go in? I, I sort of always default to the idea that coaches will stick with, uh, with what's winning until they're forced to change. Yep. Uh, they rarely, even good coaches sort of rarely make proactive changes to, to say that. And it's not like there's a great option there. It's you're basically talking about Grayson Allen or Bobby Portis. Right. Uh, so I suspect that they'll start the series the same way. Uh, I don't know how long that will last. It, it may work. Um, but it's not, there's not like some other wonderful option for that, for that last spot. Really. It's a team that has three, you know, three players with, with Drew and Giannis and um, Lopez that, that makes sense. And then without Middleton, they don't really have like, normal wings um they really don't have any normal wings they've got uh, Connaughton sort of right but you know he and Grayson Allen are more shooting guards than Bobby Portis is more power forward and it's like oh you're playing a team that is built around two ostensibly small forwards uh so it's difficult but I expect I suspect that they'll start with Portis and then that would be something that they'll then change if the you know if the Celtics are winning games 
Um, but they don't have like, if there was a defensive wing that they had sort of sitting there and they could be like, okay, well, maybe we'll try that. It might make some, some amount more sense, but there's just no real, no perfect answer there. I don't think for them. Yeah. Do you I disagree. Mean, Are you thinking they're going to go to I mean, Connaughton maybe or, or yeah, I or think Allen? like Connaughton is, I mean, one of those guys, I think that's where the series is going to end up. If I was, but I would, I would go to that right away. I just don't like, let's, let's map this out. Like matchup wise, if you, if you stay super big, then who you have to have one, like, do you put Bobby Portis on Marcus Smart? Or do you have to, are you asking Giannis to guard Tatum? Like I, it, there's, and that's something they generally try not to do. If, if history is an indication, they put Giannis in a, in a matchup like that. So I just, it's, if you say, okay, Drew Holiday, you're guarding Tatum, Wes Matthews, you're guarding Jalen. And then you, you roll the dice with, you know, Portis and like that on smart. Is that, is that how you play it? If you're, if you're sticking with that lineup? I guess. Um, and like I said, like there isn't a great answer here. That's not what I would do. I wouldn't continue. Yeah, like how would you Portis. match up? Like yeah, I like... would, I, I would just, yeah, put in, put in Connaughton. Um, I, I'm just saying like, because of the idea that usually if something has worked, coaches don't go away from it until it stops working, or at least they don't go away from it like informal things like a starting lineup. It may be that Portis starts and then two minutes in, they're making a substitution and like functionally that's not their starting lineup. Um, but why do that? Right. That's a kind of a regular season thing. You would think you'd think that that Budenholz is like a good enough coach that he would just <laughs> make the change and, and not worry about it. And so that may very well be what happens is that they, they just go that, but they're now functional. Like they're an eight man rotation team with no, no real small fours. I mean, so I guess I would just go to go to Connaughton and then and then match up like you said, except have him on Smart instead of instead of Portis. Maybe you end up with with Grayson Allen. Like I, I worry for the other side of the ball is that like the Celtics, there's not enough movement in that in that five to like break down the Celtics defense at all. I'll hold you. Um, and so that's where it's like you go to Grayson Allen because at least he can like run around and make threes. Bobby Portis has become a very good shooter, but he's a stationary shooter. Uh, and you can wander off him to, to muck things up and he can hurt you on the offensive glass and we can go through all that. And, but like, I believe the Celtics defense will pretty well handle what the bucks are offering if they also have, have Portis out there as well. So to me, it would, I, it would be a choice between Connaughton or, or Allen really. And uh, Portis going back to a, a bench role. Uh, so maybe that, that is what, maybe it's just too rational and that is what will happen. And that my thoughts about like, well, most coaches don't make that kind of change. It'll be like, it's sort of an old school thing and that now they do. And I don't know. <laughs> um, well, well, that's why he may sticking with Tice to start the series at center. I <laughs> don't think that will be happening, but obviously that's actually, coming, uh, coming back from injury thing, like if, uh, if Chris Middleton were healthy, then I would not expect Bobby Porters to be starting. That would, that would then solve its own problem. No, actually I, I did. I did. Add, I mean, I mean, it's funny because this is coming up now since Steph Curry came off the bench for like whatever, three games, four games against the, the Nuggets um, before starting game five. But yes, I, I confirmed with Yumi Odoka that Rob Williams is, is your game one starter. Oh, has that actually center. been confirmed? Has, well, I, yeah, this is, this, this is the Mass Live winning plays exclusive. This is coming out in an article tomorrow. But yes, Rob Williams will be starting. Big breaking news. Um, well, that brings us to number two, though, then. Unless you want to get into the matchups a little bit more. Like, do you, I guess we can kind of go, yeah, like, let's, do you see, like, is Holiday going to be on glued to Tatum, do you feel like, for most of the series? Like ideally from, from a Milwaukee standpoint, is that where you, where you start or do you, I mean, cause I feel like, I mean, they really have 
when you just look at this series and I mean, we'll get into predictions later, but it's like, there's really not a lot of things you can throw at, at Tatum unless you're willing to like, you know, go the Giannis route, which, which I think has his own, you know, caveats there too. I'm just going off what happened last year when, you know, everybody was calling for Giannis to be, including myself, to, to be put on KD when they were down in that series. And they, it was just like, nope, Drew's our guy for that. And Giannis is the helper and the, the roamer. So, yeah, I guess. Um, but again, like I, it's, it's a challenge, right? It's <laughs> not ideal at this point to have a six foot four player who's on Jason Tatum, even if he is a, a wonderful defender, Marcus Smart, six foot three and defensive player of the year. If they had Jason Tatum, I would, I wouldn't suggest that you put smart on Tatum all the time. Um, and Drew does have a lot of experience guarding up, um, you know, smarts, I think has a lot of experience and is very good at, at guarding post guys up, but hasn't been great always defending like big wings, right? It's like the one thing that sometimes those guys just shoot over him. Drew has more experience with that. And is maybe better in that one specific thing of, of how to guard those guys. Um, but it's not like KD didn't have success against them last year, right? It's just that in the end, they didn't have enough else and, and the Bucks made it through. But yeah, what's your other choice? Like, you don't really have one. <laughs> yeah, that's whole, the whole point of this, I guess, is like without Chris Middleton, what are you going to do? Now, I think that would be the way that you could think about Bobby Portis, that you could say we're just going to play so big that we're going to almost zone up on some of this stuff behind, you know, uh, back along the back line and just like wall off the, the rim and, and the paint and just say, if you guys, you guys are going to have to shoot 53s. And right. if you make 18 of them, then you're probably going to win. But if you go 14 of 50, then you're going to lose. And like, you just can kind of play it that way if you want from, from a Bucks perspective. And they do give up a lot of threes. They often do sort of play that way. So they could do that uh, and just go to some other principles to try to, you know, cover for, for their weaknesses out on the perimeter. But I think even, regardless, I think it starts, yeah, with, with Drew on Tatum and then figure out the rest from there. And if that's the case, then it looks like, I mean, Jalen Brown versus Wesley Matthews, that could be a, a potential field day for him. I mean, I'm like, Matthews has actually had a, you know, a decent bounce back season there after, I think he was in like the like the Lakers, but I mean, offensively he's close to a nothing right now um, beyond hitting threes here and there. And I thought, you know, even when he was like back with like the, on those like Pacers teams or whatever, um, that there wasn't, you know, much left in the tank defensively against elite players. So like, I don't know. I just, see, I don't see him as being a major um, deterrent in this series. And, and, and again, I mean, he's, he's six, four, right. It's another guy. Like they, they have guards and bigs and they don't, they don't have traditional small forward size guys. And that's just where the Celtics points come from. Uh, so it's, it, it just, no matter where you go, like there looks to be some sort of just straight like size or speed matchup, but yeah, I, again, because what's your other alternative? I expect that that will, will be it. Um, and so then you get into a series where it's like, do the Celtics want to be, you know, basically have Tatum and Brown coming around screens against drop coverage and shooting threes over six, four guards, or do the, does that sort of bait them into bad right. habits or something like that? Like you have to keep playing, right? You can't just fall into the trap of, of the Celtics are not a matchup hunting ISO team. That's not what you want them to be doing. So you don't want to fall into too many of these traps of like attacking those matchups and, and just 
taking a whole bunch of threes over because you, you feel like you can get them off whenever you need to, you still need to keep moving the ball and sticking with your good principles. And, and then it becomes a little bit more of a challenge because then you do have Brooke Lopez, who's become a, a good rim protector and Giannis, who's a, you know, all world wrecker on, on defense, but you have to stick to those principles and not fall into the trap of just like six foot three guy, big man dropping on the screen, going to shoot a three, going to shoot a three, going to shoot a three on the move. Um, so as long as they, they stick to those much better principles that they showed in the second half of the year, I think they should be fine. But that's, that is the one kind of thing you look at and you're like, don't, don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. Right. Right. The, the, the bucks are going to test them a lot more on that than that's it. Um, yeah. Well, with, with goes about saying, but like, even like just a system, like having, Oh, like, like, yeah, like the bucks, yep. they don't have the best defensive talent, but they have a system and they have a lot of continuity. And I think, I guess George Hill, I expect should be back in this series, which again, won't, help them defensively, but just another, you know, body that knows the system, another guy that can hit threes. Um, Well, the thing is there, like, even though, I mean, he'll probably be taking minutes away from Javon Carter, who's at least during the right, you know, has made a lot of threes this year and is primarily a defensive guard. So if George Hill takes minutes away from him, like, I don't know how much of an upgrade that that really ends up. Might be a downgrade, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, it it might be. I mean, if Javon Carter is making 45% of his threes or whatever he made during the regular season, then it is a downgrade. Uh, Although they're a little bit less dynamic, George Hill's, shot making isn't particularly dynamic at this point, but you know, a lot of corner threes and stuff like that from a guard isn't, isn't great, but certainly a defensive downgrade. Um, so how that, that sort of washes out, I'm, I'm not sure. They do just need like more live bodies who are reliable, who may not make a difference every game, but give them different options under different circumstances. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to have anybody back. Um, but it's not a deep, you know, it's not a deep team. It hasn't been a deep team all year. Uh, they have some name guys, you know, Serge Ibaka and stuff like that, but they're not yeah. not really getting getting it done at this point in their career. But it just has always been that's that's sort of been the situation since they tried to go after Bogdanovich and like the sort of fallout of that obviously worked out last year. But some of the the sort of ways that things spiraled out from there in terms of money and draft assets and trade stuff and all they gave up for Drew has left them as a relatively shallow team this year, even before the injury and and without Middleton. Yeah, you're, you are making choices then between like, so George Hill or Javon Carter, and that's not exactly where you want to be. Now, they can look at the Celtics and say like, oh, well, the Celtics have to make a decision between, you know, are they going to play Peyton Pritchard or Daniel Tice and things like that? And like, not not big, scary names either. So you can get burned by that. But it's not, um, you know, this is not a team that's running like 11 deep and having to cutting out guys who are really good. They're sort of looking for bodies at the end. So if, if George Hill can go, it potentially could help them some. The Vincenzo trade does not look great right now. For their, yeah, right. And that's sort of where you're getting into like all the stuff of the fallout of like the money and how are you going to pay certain guys and who have you tried to trade and who then did you trade later and what were you trying to make up for? It's like they just end up in a spot where and it's all worth it because they they want. Yeah, I mean, they won, year, but right? just but for the, just for this no, year, no complaints. But yeah, in this moment, they just they are not a particularly deep team because of some of the other things they had to do to get there last year. Which you do that a hundred times out of a hundred. I'm I'm not knocking their front office or anything at all. It's just the reality of of where they are this year. Also, Nets probably could have used Javon Carter in that last series. Um, and James Johnson. And James Johnson. Yeah, right. I know. Weird. It's uh, th- some weird decisions there, but that's, I mean, we don't really care about that. Those now. eight minutes from Kessler Edwards. Yeah, right. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oof, four fouls and I think nothing else in the stat sheet from that. All right. Let's first hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. Um, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments. Odds on these playoff series and even some of the next season's future throughout the NBA postseason. Baseball is also back, so you can check out the start of the Major League Baseball season and the full MLB odds on there on a nightly basis. 
So it's you can do it for that. You can check out live betting on all your Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to join. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Um, all right. Question two here. Um, you know, you got into the front line a little bit there as well. The, the Rob Williams question in this series. We know he's, he's going to be back in the starting five. Um, if you're Ime, you know, there was obviously some rust there, uh, when he came back, how, how do you handle him in this series? Um, from a, a minutes perspective, um, how short of a leash do you have on him? If, you know, he still looks like, you know, we obviously know what he can be, but if he's still, still not there yet, um, you know, there's going to be a, a push and pull there of, of pulling the plug on him early in these games, particularly with the, the, the shooting that the Bucks have all over the court, um, what do you kind of expect from him um, from a playing time standpoint and a, and a role standpoint in the series? It was kind of weird the way he came back. Wasn't it? like you would think a player who was out had knee surgery and, but then only missed three weeks. Like they wouldn't be rusty, but they would be maybe like a little bit gun shy about jumping and flying all over the floor. Cause like he, he wasn't gone that long to like gain a lot of rust. Right. Right. But he didn't look quite right in terms of, some of the more precision stuff, even like catching the ball and right things like that. But he was flying all over the place and looked physically like, like he had was all there. Uh, so it was a little bit odd the, the, the way that, that uh, he looked when he, when he came back. Uh, obviously they need him in this series. They need him for a variety of reasons. They need his rebounding because the, the bucks are really big. They need him as that help rim for rim protector. Cause you know that Giannis is going to be bowling over people and getting to the rim all the time. And so you need some amount of a deterrent there. You need him because he's not a terrible option in terms of switching out onto Giannis because of the athleticism and the length and all that. And, uh, you know, better than Tice for sure, I think, in that role. So they certainly need him. Um, you can make some amount of an argument that, like, Horford and Grant Williams makes a lot of sense in this matchup as well, uh, which is good. It's, you know, another option that they have. But the team is just a different team when Rob is out there. Uh, particularly I think even more on offense than defense or, you know, regardless of all the defensive first, you know, all defense talk and things like that for him. Uh, so the more he can play, the, the better. There's also like, especially the Celtics uh, bigs, there are going to be foul trouble games in this series. They're going to be foul trouble games both ways, because whenever Giannis is involved, there's going to be foul trouble games. And so like you need all the, the live bodies and reliable players that, that you can have. Um, because there's going to be games where Rob gets three fouls in eight minutes and like, then you, you know, it's, you're going to be happy to have Tyson and Grant there, but you may also have games where it's the opposite and where it's like Horford picks up four fouls in the first half and you need, you need Rob to pick up more. Um, so you, you have to watch out, you know, over the course of what I, especially if maybe not, I guess we can, we can talk about that at the end of the, the end of the recording probably, but a series that you think would go six or seven games, you're going to have a game or two like that along the way where you have to have to get through. And so hopefully Rob is all there. And if they're saying that he's going to start in game one, then I, I think that's probably where Ime and, and the, and the team is as well, expecting him to, you know, be able to play basically the role that he played in the regular season. Right. And yeah, he, I mean, t- talking to us this week, he was adamant that like his wind wasn't back where he wanted to be. That was probably the biggest thing that was affect- affecting him in that game uh, in those two games, which, which makes sense since that's over the course of his career. Like he's a guy that, I mean, that's probably his, one of his biggest improvements this year is that, you know, his his stamina went way up, but um, he was certainly prone to getting gas and, and quick stints there. So um, if he can kind of work that up over the course of this week to kind of build that up, obviously get a couple more games under his belt, um, 
here, but I, I, I do expect him. I don't, I don't, I bet he ends up between like 20 and 25 minutes a game in this series. Um, I could see a couple of games where he just, just doesn't have it and they go away for, for Grant Williams um, for longer stretches for the shooting standpoint and just to, you know, have a defense that's locked in. Yeah. Just there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there, but like you said, if the, if you get the upside, if you get Rob at 90 or 95%, like I think this series is, you know, a wrap Um, no matter, even if they are struggling for three point shooting, because they Rob, particularly on the offensive glass um, could really wreak havoc in this series. I feel like against a guy like Brooke Lopez, who's, I feel like very, that's a very soft part of his game. Yeah, he's, that's where the whole Bobby Portis decision can sort of swing the other way, right? Is that if you are getting killed on the glass, then, but of course you could also play Portis and, and not play, you know, or, or play Brooke Lopez fewer minutes or something like that. Like sure. there are, they have more options on the front line than they, than they do on, on the wing yeah. and a, at guard. So there's different ways that you can, can structure it. And if, um, if Portis is in there as they're big, even with Giannis, like, I think that's the, the moment where it's like, nope, Rob, like this is where you go like Rob on offense Rob helping and recovering off Portis, who again can shoot. He's a, become a very good standstill three-point shooter, but like you would expect that Rob, that's a place that he can help off of and then recover to, and then also not get, you know, not get beaten on, on the board. So uh, we'll see how many minutes exist in those different uh, formulations, but um, it's just, he's just such a dynamic player that it, it'll, if he's back to where he was, like you said, if it's if he's ninety five percent of where it was, even though we've watched him all year, I think it'll be almost like jarring to go back to yeah. that again after even just a few weeks of seeing it without it. You're like, oh, that's right, he can do things that no other humans can do. Yes, like these are just not normal things that that he's able to achieve. Um, and watching he and Giannis sort of physical freaks in the same game is is going to be um, hopefully a, a fun experience for everybody. Uh, but yeah, he just right he can do things that that humans cannot do and and seeing that happen again um will be a a new or a recovered dynamic that they didn't really have even though obviously they didn't need it last round but uh this round you expect that they you know that that they will find times when they do need that extra athleticism all right let's move on to question three here which we kind of already went over so we'll, we'll hit on it quickly here um in terms of the bucks like who who's picking up their scoring load slash shoots to the Celtics worry about with, with Middleton out, you know, if, if they want to make it a, a tight series here, um, you know, we hit on Allen Connaughton. I think those are the obvious factors. If they start Allen shot the lights out against the Bulls, like 60% or something like that from three um, that certainly won't continue against a, a defense like the Celtics have, but those are random guys. And I guess, honestly, what you're like, you're kind of like drew and Portis really have to like, be consistent as hell here because there's just not there's just not a lot of shot creation or pure scores um beyond Giannis and beyond those guys i'm a little bit interested to see sort of how the celtics respond um to some of these lineup changes or potential lineup changes like if let's say they end up with uh drew and west matthews and and grayson allen instead of bobby portis yeah uh i would almost suspect like if brad was still the coach that they would put smart on allen because of his ability, you know, his chase around screen right. and all that and sort of like wipe him out of the game like they did with JJ Redick and some other players like that. Um, and then put probably, well, I don't know, Jalen or Jason, one of them on Drew um, 
Probably Tatum on Drew. I think like Tatum on Drew when it, you know, in the matters. second half in the fourth yeah. quarter, maybe, but like maybe you start with Jalen. I don't really know. Either one of them, you would sort of, you know, but I, my, the point being like, you sort of naturally think like, oh, okay, it's going to be smart and Derek White on Drew. But like, if they end up in a place where they do have to go to Grayson Allen in order just to juice their offense, like do the Celtics try to then counter that and just say, yeah, you're making this change because you know you need offense and we are just going to like wipe it off the, the floor here by putting maybe the best in the league at, at defending that type of player in smart. Um, now I, the two of them who there could be like an insane flop off or somebody, <laughs> you know, multiple injuries to both. I don't know. Um, a little worried about that, but I, I would be interested to see if, if he may has the same sort of thought process on that, or if they're like, well, we switch everything anyway, and we switch off the ball screens. And so like, what does it matter? You just sort of keep with more traditional apps, um, or matchups. So I don't really know how, how they would respond to that, but I do just think like you, you get to a point where they will have to play Grayson Allen because I don't think they'll be able to score enough unless it's like, you know, unless Drew starts like hitting a lot of pull-up threes, which isn't really a big part of his game normally. Uh, although he did take, take quite a few of them against the Bulls. And then obviously Giannis does, does Giannis things. If he's scoring 40 points a game, then okay. That, that buoys them a, a decent amount, but like there just isn't a ton of scoring out there. And we saw last year in the playoffs, how many games like, in the fourth quarter in crunch time, it was Chris Middleton who they were going to, you know, yeah. to, to run their offense and to, to make those jump shots, even with Giannis out there, it was just like, we were giving the ball to Chris and it's not that they were giving the ball to Chris Middleton to set up Giannis. They were giving the ball to Chris Middleton to, to take the shots. And so now who's going to take those shots. They don't really have a natural uh, point. If, if Giannis is having a rough shooting night or, you know, they've walled off the paint or he's got five fouls and he's afraid to or not he's not afraid you know he's there's some risk of him driving and and picking up a, a six foul at any moment so i i think that they'll end up with grayson allen and like i said i'm just sort of i don't know what the answer is i'm just interested to see if they go that same route and are like nope we put smart or Derek white on him and we just try to immediately negate him and and wipe that counter off the floor yeah it's a i think that would be a fascinating subplot to watch in terms of the the strategy that he may handles that since he's, you know, you can make the case for it either way, but like you said that, like if you can just take that X factor out of the equation, then, and you can trust the rest of your defense. It's, it, it puts the Bucks offense in a, in a pretty tough spot to keep pace if the Celtics kind of continue their rhythm. Um, okay. That kind of brings us to number four here. We, you know, you already talked about, you know, like how, like what is the game plan for Giannis in the, is the, in this series? I mean, versus the three point shooting. Of the Bucks, do you? Well, you answer have, this one. What's your What's your game? Plan I I my game plan is, I want to stop Giannis, or I want to stop Giannis from like erupting as much as possible. So that doesn't mean I'm doubling him every time down, but I'm certainly doing plenty of cheating. Um, I'm staying with big lineups, like double bigs, pretty much the whole way. Uh, so he sees a crowd a lot, and. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm holding tight to like, you know, Grayson Allen and even a guy like Portis who can really get it going from three at times. Um, but I'm living with the likes of, you know, half contested Connaughton and, and Drew Holiday and, and Brooke Lopez shots at the expense of like keeping, you know, I, that's at least how I start. If the, the Bucks have the ability to, to change my mind on that, if they get going here, but I think that, um, if you can frustrate Giannis, turn Giannis into start settling. He shot 15% from three against the Bulls. He's shooting 50, 30% from three on the season. Um, I, I love to just 
take away the pain from Giannis and, and see how the hell this, you know, they function against a good defense without the easy points from him. If they were willing to let Kyrie have some amount of freedom to beat them so that they could throw two and three bodies at, at Durant, then I expect that that's where, where they'll start with Giannis. Obviously a very different challenge, um, different a player who wants to get to different shots, obviously. But um, I do think that I agree that that's where they start um, trying to, to limit that, particularly because they did have so much success with it last round. Um, again, you know, what works, you, you can stick with a little bit. Uh, I think it's, it's Lopez that they're going to target as the guy who they're going to cheat off of. Mm-hmm. Um, he's become a better three point shooter, but like, he's not a huge volume three. He had, it's been what three or four years now since he had, um, had a pretty good three point shooting year. Um, and it's been okay, but not anything that like really scares you. And that allows you to throw another big, uh, you know, closer to the rim and, and helping out. So I think that's probably where they target but there's not a ton of shooting out there that, that you have to like really be afraid of. Uh, even if it is Portis and Allen, like if Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen beat you, then, you know, is that going to happen four times in seven right. games? And Take that I, bet. Just, yeah. I mean, you have to sort of, everybody has to live with something, right? Like you're a great, even a great defense that you're making decisions. You're not shutting down every single thing. Um, and I think that that would be a, a reasonable decision to, to make and how to shade your, your defense. So I suspect the same. Now it worked against Durant. It, it might be that they throw everything at Giannis and he's the, just go supernova and is the best player in the world and, and beats them anyway. But um, they've had, they have players who have had as much success as anybody can have against them. And then, and then you get the last thing, right? The big wild card of the officials in, mm. in the series. And like, how do they officiate Giannis? How do they officiate what we all know is coming, right? There are going to be how many big block charge calls, in this series when he has four fouls and you've got smart and white and grant williams and you know even grant williams all three of those guys whether they're on him or they're as a help defender are all going to be looking to draw charges against him and add those fouls up they've had success doing that in games against him before uh, but you also get the thing where if he has four fouls you can get in position and draw a charge and the officials are just like well he's Giannis, and so it's not right <laughs> uh, we've certainly seen that as well so how that wild card gets in and how physical are they allowed to be? There's obviously a lot of focus coming out of the net series on how physical they were against, against Durant. They had these first quarters where they called a million fouls. Does that change how things work? Uh, You just, what can you do? You put in a strategy and then you have to adapt uh, as the, as the game goes along and and how you see how those things are officiated. And that's going to matter both ways. um, Because as we talked about with, with the, the Bucks not having a lot of great options for Jalen and Jason. Like there's also the similar things on their side where it's like, if Drew Holiday gets a couple of early fouls, then what do they do? And, and so the, the officials could make a huge difference. They make a big difference in any series, but uh, how they sort of choose to officiate a handful of players in, in this series uh, will also make a big difference in terms of like how the Celtics choose to defend them because how, you know, how will they be allowed to defend them is, is part of that equation. That will be a fun storyline. To what everyone will be really looking forward to, yeah, it's micromanaging. Yeah, it's miserable, but it is. It's like it's gonna be certainly has the potential to swing more than one or two games in this series since um, Giannis is averaging twelve free throws per game in the postseason and averaged eleven point four during the regular season. So he is that is. uh, You do have these like he is prone to spinning, particularly into charges or just rolling guys over, and you got especially now with Derek White. And like you just got guys who take a lot of charges on the Celtics and are willing to throw themselves in front of a freight train. 
Um, and that like, I just know that there are going to be games where that ends up being like a, a huge play where somewhere in the second half, there's a call that you feel like really changed things where it could either send Giannis to the bench or it doesn't. Right. And then, and it's a, it's an and one and three points on the board and he gets rolling and you're looking back at it being like, man, that, if that would have been his fifth foul or something like that. And you just, you hope it isn't too big of a storyline, but you're not going to make it through this series without that mattering at least a couple of times. All right. Last question here. And we'll wrap up with this and predictions was ask about simple X factor here in this series um, from a big picture standpoint, I'll start. I think, and we kind of hit on earlier. It's, it's, the Celtics decision-making on offense in terms of the Bucks giving them the threes. They give up their 30th in the NBA and, and threes allowed this year. They give 40 per game. The Celtics are going to have them. They are going to take plenty of them. The question is, do they really lean into that? And do they go, you know, supernova in terms of saying, okay, yeah, we're going to, roll the dice of getting taking these 30 35 plus open looks per game and and like your odds and and do they go with the lineups that are the best lamps for that the sam hauser time this exactly yeah, good hit <laughs> hauser sam ryan um Cornette, luke, luke cornet obviously Cornette yeah. out there to defend Giannis. there and, was a great richard you missed a great scrimmage between the the second the the deep bench and the g league guys today at the IREC Center. Luke Cornett doing a lot of good things out there against um, Roger Thomas down low. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like we've, and even like Grant Williams in his rookie year, you remember a lot of games there where, you know, they'd be double daring him to take those threes. Like there wouldn't be anyone in his zip code. Now, Grant Williams, like if he, he'll still get the open looks, like how much respect he gets from out there. Um, the Derek White factor from three, he shot 9% from three point range against Brooklyn. Um, I expect a little bit of a boost from that, but based on his track record here, um, certainly not necessarily count, count him to hit those open looks. And then, yeah, like if, if the Celtics lean into that and are hitting at a decent rate, then this series is over in a hurry. I honestly expect them to go with that. Cause I think that is the easiest path to victory. And if those are open looks like they've hit enough of them, in the second half of the season with guys who struggled like Corford and smart and obviously Tatum on top of it. So um, I expect them to take the bait and I expect them to, to hit enough, especially at home to, to take care of business. Yeah. They should shoot a lot of threes in this series. Um, when I was sort of saying before, like, do they fall into bad habits, right? It's what type of threes are you taking? Uh, and I know you know this and it's, it's always a, a thing that you watch with this team. Like if they're taking, kick out threes if they're taking corner threes that's one thing if they're taking kind of iso well you drop you know brooke lopez is, is dropping off so i'm going to shoot this but i've got drew holiday contesting on you know from the right. side like there are obviously different levels of of quality of threes but they should take a lot of threes in this series because that is what the you know the defense is is geared to give them uh if al horford you know to throw into that if al horford shoots 60 percent from three again <laughs> Uh, like he did against the Nets and not on huge volume, but like if he makes two threes, if he makes, you know, literally like two threes a game, um, then that's a big boost as well. And if he's willing to shoot them relatively quickly, which I think was the other good thing in the, in the net series that he obviously was feeling confident about it because uh, he wasn't shy about taking them. Uh, and so you end up with lineups where you can put a decent amount of shooting out there. 
Um, and so in terms of like X factors, right, there's, it was a popular conversation today on, on Twitter and Reddit and whatever else, like the role of Peyton Pritchard in this series. And, oh, is, is this a series where you, you try to, you know, play less Derek White and can you get more Peyton Pritchard out there? And because they're playing Connaughton or Grayson Allen or, or whomever it might be, or George Hill or Javon Carter, like you have places you can put him. Is this a series for Peyton Pritchard? We'll see. Uh, I suspect that it will be a pretty heavily defensive series. And then your threes are swingy, right? And that's sort of what decides um, some of the games along the way. So I think Derek White still has a, a big role to play in, in this series. But if he's if he's one of 11, then yeah, they'll, they'll have to go somewhere else. And, and you would think that would be Pritchard, uh, particularly on a team that has some weaknesses on the perimeter uh, under all, you know, even under the best of circumstances. But with Middleton out, those shots will be there. And he's obviously not afraid. Um, he, you know, has all the confidence in the world in his ability to shoot and, and rightly so. Uh, so you you could end up there as well. Where, but yeah, I mean, three point it's the playoffs, right? Three point shooting is the sort of swingy thing that that wins most series. Although against you know first round, sometimes like this last series, it, it almost doesn't matter. But because uh, just the the talent disparity. But in this series, yeah, they're gonna have to shoot and they're gonna have to make, um, and they've got the personnel to do it. But you still got to go out and have the ball go through. And. To on the plus side for the Celtics on that front, I think Ime Odoka's willingness to adapt and in game in these playoffs and roll with certain lineups when we and we kind of talked about this during the last series, but like that, him being that, um, you know, willingness to think mix things up and lean into things like shooting when he needed in certain points of the game as opposed to just relying on this same familiar formula that got him through the regular season or just relying on the reputation of guys, I think that will should bode well in a series like this kind of play out on how the, the game is going and how, you know, like the, the swings are from a, a shooting standpoint, but yeah, I mean that Pritchard Tatum Brown, Grant Williams, Al Horford lineup that, um, that we saw last, last round, like could potentially have a lot of power in this series because of all the stuff that we've been talking about here. And that the fact that he was willing to go to that type of lineup last round, I, I assume that he will be again in this round and, um he right he's doing basically everything everything he does at this point works out right um so but it's hard to question question what anything that he's doing right now like we, we sort of said last time jokingly uh last time we talked so um I, I do have confidence in that 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 yeah if if there's a a change to be made that he won't be afraid to to make it even as a his first time first time playing what sort of feels like a real playoff series i know last Last run was a real playoff series, but it didn't feel like it after game two, probably. <laughs> yeah, that felt like playing cruise control. All right, so let's get predictions on the record here. Um, I'll, I'll give it to you first to, to, to take us home. Celtics in five, right? If it was if Middleton was there, it would be seven, I suppose. But um, it, it's just such a big loss in the Celtics. I, I, right. I said it last round that the Celtics are just a really good team. And I think they're the better team in the series. And without Middleton, I think the Celtics are a really good team. They're just the better team in the series. Uh, there's one guy who really scares me, but I got to, if I believe that they're, they're a really good team and that they have home court advantage, then um, I'll, I'll sound like a fool potentially, but I will take my Celtics in five. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go Celtics in six, which doesn't really make sense. Like, Statistically, your call 
has a far higher possibility probability of happening based on him having home court for a closeout game there. Oh, it's but, not far higher. And not far <laughs> higher, but like logically no. makes so more in sense. Six is, a, is I think what most people will probably end up saying. Uh, and I know, yeah, it's, it's weird to pick that they'll close it out on, on the road or whatever, but you can also say like the Celtics have, right. They've been taking care of business on the road. Right. Exactly. Like, that's why they've been a great road team. They have blown teams out left and right on the road. Like they certainly can win in, in Milwaukee and, Bucks can certainly win in Boston, so I, I don't think it's like weird to, to pick six. And I probably should be picking six because it it feels like the right pick. But it's just one of those things. I'm like, I have a lot of confidence in this team right now, so I'll stick to that. I just want to wrap on this. I was as I'm you know going through some preview stuff for Mass Live today and preparing some stuff for the weekend. And there's um, I'm just going through the box scores, and then I'm like get to the Christmas game. It feels like that game was like three seasons ago at this point. Does that feel like, am I like, I honestly like forgot. I remember you, it. Right. I can't even remember. <laughs> like it was a, it was an epic collapse. Like they were up by like 20 or something, but they're the Celtics had like a thousand of those in the first half of the season that like that one didn't even, that was probably like the seventh or eighth worst on the list. Um, I, I well, the other thing is I didn't watch that game live because it's on Christmas, and I know Christmas okay. is supposed to be a big Celtics day or a big basketball day, but like I have other things to do on Christmas Day than sit around and watch TV. So I didn't watch. I watched it on on replay and probably sped through parts of it because I assume I knew the score by that point. I really don't really like remember very little of the game. So. It's like a Twilight Zone. It's yeah. like yeah, like Schroeder's out there, Richardson's playing big parts. Like it's like like what what where what this was must have been twenty twenty. 2019 no this was this is five months ago um and how how, how far things have come <laughs> um but yeah so that that's that uh series begins sunday afternoon game one 1 p.m at td garden uh ryan will be checking in with you throughout the playoff run here thanks again for coming on make sure you're following him on twitter at danger cart um for all your Celtics and honestly good takes and everything at this point. So like, make sure you're following them on there. Uh, follow the winning plays pod, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, um, anywhere you can find us. We appreciate it. You guys have been listening a ton um, lately and we appreciate that a lot. And Ryan, what, what do you have? What do you have for us? Anything, any other hot take from the, the rest of the playoffs before we, What's your, what's your, uh, any surprise picks for the next round? Uh, do I have any, and I think that, I think it's going to be Celtics and Warriors in the final. Is that, Ooh, <laughs> is that <laughs> coming out real hot? Although, uh, Chris Paul, 14 for 14 closed out, closed out the Pelicans just now. Sure. Uh, no, I just wish that the series would start, uh, this, these long layoffs are brutal. The long layoff in the middle of the series is super annoying. Uh, I I'm ready for basketball games that I, that I actually care about the result of to, to start again. Well, stay tuned for three podcasts breaking down game two yeah. on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll, be, we'll have that here at the winning place. But yeah, uh, I agree with you on this, the Suns and Chris Paul. They're lying in the weeds, but we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for potentially a fun West finals, and we'll see if the Celtics will still be uh, in the mix at that point.